first of all, men with emotions, we have to be able to control. I think women get a pass, in my opinion. Yeah. They get to do whatever. Emotionally, that's fine. Uh, but as a man, you have to be able to feel, recognize stuff, but you have to kind of maintain frame a little bit. Uh, but as a character status, that's not something you do. You don't hit women. No. You not don't at cheat all. on your wife. Not you at don't all. do that. That's something we just don't do. And so I think if you have that, that is my standard. That is what I live by. It's not going to happen. Now, mistakes happen and all that. It does. But some stuff is inexcusable. What is going on, guys? Dr. Jared Nelson in the house, the podcast, The Better Man, where you can never be perfect, but you can always be better. Today, we have a very special guest with us today, Wiley Coyote. Wiley Quarles, what's up, dude? What's going on, Jared? Yeah, yeah, good to see you, dude. Good to have you in. I'm very, very excited about this one. A lot of people don't know this, but we kind of go way back, uh, back when we were younger. We went, do. Went to church we together, do. all that. Been, yeah, been a long time and all long that. Long time ago. Yeah. So this is how I start off every podcast. You're in the gym, you're chilling. Yeah. And, and a guy sees you, he's like, man, you look so familiar. Where do I know you from? What do you do? Go ahead and start. Are uh, you sure you don't know my twin brother? Ah, uh, good that's, that's, that's what I usually start out with. No, I'm... It's Wiley Orals, man. I'm I'm a fireman in Gez, and you might have, might have seen me out and about. You got a grandmama that's sick. We might have taken care of her or something. You never know. Mm-hmm. So yep. cool. Well, yeah, man. Um, so I want to start off by talking about this. You worked on the railroad uh, for a while, and I know you did that. We were in a Madeline together and talked about working on the railroad stuff like that. So kind of go through that experience. What was working for the railroad like? A lot of people don't even know that's a thing. They're like, I, I didn't even know that was still a thing because that was like back in the early 1900s, all that. So talk about that experience a little bit. Yeah, so the railroad is a really cool job. Uh, I was a conductor for Norfolk Southern. Um, my job was to sit on a train, and we would go from Birmingham to Atlanta, uh, which was the east end. And then you have also the AGS that goes from Birmingham to Chattanooga or Meridian, Mississippi. However, mm-hmm. I was hired out on the East End, so my route was back and forth to Atlanta. But uh, so as my job duty would be, if something messed up on the line of track from point A to point B, uh, I would have to get off, walk the train, and sometimes it'd be pitch black, dark at two in the morning. I remember you saying that in the middle of the woods, mm-hmm. and you ha- you cannot carry any kind of weapons or e- anything with you on the train. Mm. So you know, bear jumps out. You better be quick or be able to climb faster than he can. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I never had that happen. Mm-hmm. Seen a few snakes, and if anybody knows, I am terrified, deathly terrified of snakes. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it was a cool job. Made a lot of money. Um, got to go to a hotel. I mean, we stayed a block away from the Atlanta Braves' new stadium mm-hmm. over in Cobb County. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put us up at the Sheraton, which you know, Sheraton's a nice hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'd be there from anywhere from 10 hours to 36 hours to 48 hours to, you know, 72 hours. I, th- I think I stayed there for three and a half days one time before we got a train to come home. Mm-hmm. So, so you're just kind of sitting there waiting in between yeah. for trains to arrive yeah. and then you go back out. And then you get back out and you're on the train for 12 hours and then they call it dog law. Uh, so you, you're not allowed to work over 12 hours on a train. Uh, if you have to get out and tie it down and they'll bring a taxi to relieve you, uh, there'll be another crew that'll get on the train and they'll untie the handbrakes and knock the brakes off and they'll finish the route for you. And that taxi takes you back to Birmingham to get your car and go home. 
Wow. So I'm just the same way going to Atlanta. If it takes you longer than 12 hours, you know, you're going to tie that train down on the line of track and somebody else is going to come get it and take it the rest of the way. So working the railroad, is this federal? Is it a uh, federal job? Or well, what is it's, it? it's its own entity. I mean, well, okay. I mean, yes, like, you know, the federal government has a lot to do with the railroad, mm -hmm. but Norfolk Southern, it's its own company. It's its own corporation. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you've got CSX, Norfolk Southern, BNSF, I mean, Pacific Union or Union Pacific. Mm -hmm. You've got a you got a bunch of different railroads out there, so okay. so they're all kind of privately owned companies. They're they're kind of all privately owned companies. Uh, Norfolk Southern, you actually, if I'm not if I'm saying this right, you can actually buy stock in their company if you work for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, of course, the more stockholder, the more stock ownership you have, then you have a bigger say so in what they do. Right. So, but yeah, so I mean, it's just it's just like any other business. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you did the railroad for a while and we're going to kind of get into why that kind of ended here yeah. shortly and all that, but we want to talk about what you do now. So kind of talk about what you do now with fire and all that and how that's uh, been working for you. So I left the railroad. Um, it's been about two and a half years now. Um, October the 1st actually was my two year hire date with Gadsden fire department. Okay. Um, I became a fireman. Um, our dad, Dennis Quarles, he's he's owned a construction company for many, many years, 35-plus years. I was working with him. Uh, we had been laid off a little bit during COVID mm -hmm. uh, at the railroad, and I was working with my dad, and we had just gotten a diagnosis for our youngest son. Um, He was – he's four now – but he was almost two years old and still wasn't walking. And it raised a lot of questions. You know, we've have several kids, of course. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, he should be walking and he wasn't. And there was a guy I worked at the railroad with who actually had a son who had Duchenne's muscle dystrophy. Yeah. And, um, I think I said that right. Duchenne's. Mm -hmm. You're right. But anyways. And so, you know, it just, I didn't think that Brock's, my son, I, I didn't think that Brock's had muscle dystrophy or anything, mm -hmm. but it raised the question at like, hey, wh what's going on? Why is he, why is he still struggling? So we went to our pediatric doctor and told him, said, hey, you know, uh, is there any way we could get Brock's checked, you know, to see if there's anything going on? And at first he's like, no, he's just, he's just going to be late. You know, he's a late mm -hmm. walker. I don't see any signs or symptoms or any reason for him to get checked. And, you know, we sat there for a few minutes and we asked him, you know, please, it would just, it would help us feel better. You know, if, if, if there was, if, if there was a way we could get just, just to see if there's something going on. Mm -hmm. And so he, he, Dr. Hester, awesome, love Edward Pediatrics. Sure. And I recommend anyone that has kids mm -hmm. go see them. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Hester listened to us. And, and, you know, that's to me, that's awesome. If you got a doctor that'll listen to you, that's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, so he sent us for some testing and then he called us back and said that his labs were a little off. So he sent us to a, uh, neuro muscle specialist at children's and they did some, uh, genetic testing and it come back that Brock's was born without chromosome 17, the PNP 22. I think is the number. Mm. Uh, it's 
in the same family as Charmin tooth disease, CMT disease. Okay. But he has uh, he has HNPP, which is hereditary neuropathy with liability to pressure palsy. Okay. And so now here we are. We're finding out all this about our son. I'm laid off from the railroad. I'm I'm doing construction with my dad, and I'm I'm talking to my dad on a job site down in Horton's Bend, and uh, I you know, hey dad, what what if what if I could do this full time? You know, be home more. Like I was telling you earlier with the railroad, I mean, you're gone all the time. There's right. sometimes you're there for two or three days in a hotel over in Atlanta. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, my wife before, and I don't think she'd care if I said this, but before we had Brock's, she had a miscarriage. Mm. And uh, I'll never forget, I was in Atlanta in the hotel and her calling me crying, saying that she was bleeding and my mom going to my house and picking her up and taking her to Gazin Regional to the hospital to get checked. Mm-hmm. and here i am i'm two hours away i don't have a car i came by train you know mm-hmm. i'm having to call a supervisor in birmingham who's having to leave birmingham drive to atlanta pick me up bring me back to get my car in birmingham before i can even make it to gadsden you know an hour away from birmingham so you know we're at most five and a half six hours before i could get home mm-hmm and she's already home from the hospital, has been told that we lost the baby and everything. And I'm in a taxi going back to Birmingham. So Yeah, I'm sure it's a pretty pretty helpless situation. I'm sure that you were in, it seems like. It it was. And and it, it sucked, just being quite frankly. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was terrible, you know, her having to go through that by herself and, you know, me not being there for her, man, it made me feel like crap. Well, a lot of people travel for work and they kind of see that as like a highlight. You know, I get to go to California, New York, do all this stuff. And that is cool. But if you have a family, it kind of shifts everything into a different perspective. Because if you're not there, it can be pretty traumatic. It can. It can. Mm -hmm. Family definitely comes first in my book. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's uh, before get off topic there. Talking about the the fire department. though. So that's that's why I became a fireman. You know, I, I was talking to my dad doing construction. Hey, you know. What if what if I get to the point to where I'm running this I'm running this construction company for you? And my dad being have been doing this for thirty five plus years, you know, hey, that's awesome. I'd love for somebody to keep this going. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, money's good when you're making it. But when you're not making it, you're starving. Yeah. You don't know where your next check's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um the only retirement you have is what you put back. Uh, I, I don't want that for you. You know, mm-hmm. insurance, you, you got to have insurance. You got a son that's, you know, y'all just found this out. You got to have a way to pay for those medical bills. He said, uh, if you can find something that you could do and get insurance and have a retirement going and still be able to do this, he said, yeah, I'd be more than happy to help you take over this. And, and you and your brother could do this together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had a buddy that I used to work at the prison with a long time ago mm. uh, who was a fireman in Atala. And I, I remember I called him and I was just asking him about it. And uh, he he told me a few things and talked to him a little bit. And I was like, well, you know what? I think I'm going to go apply. So I applied in Atala, applied in Gasden. I think I applied in Rainbow City too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gasden just happened to call me. Of course, here I am. Thinking, hey, I'm, I'm, st- I was still in somewhat of shape then, you know, working on railroad. Sure, you have to take a CPAP test to be a. It's, I believe that's what it's called, CPAP. You might want 
take that out. But no, that's all right. You have to take a physical fitness test to be a fireman. And uh, it requires you to walk on a stair stepper for three and a half minutes with a weighted vest on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take the vest off. You can't not touch the handrails. You come off the stair stepper and you have to grab a hose and drag it like 50 feet. Then you have to do a tool carry. You're carrying a chainsaw and a concrete saw around a comb, set it back on the shelf. You have to uh, just all kinds of stuff. You're dragging a dummy. You're, you know, you're pulling and pushing a roof simulation. Sure. Um, but I'm thinking like, man, I, I do construction. I work for the railroad. I can do this. Man, I failed that test three times before I finally passed it. Wow. And that was at what age were you? Uh, man, 33, 32, 33. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, that test is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can watch YouTube videos on it all day long, but until you're doing it, it's tough. Well, think about people watching sports. So like somebody drops a football and they're like, they're terrible. Yeah. You go out there and try to do it. Most people can. I yeah. Mean, it's nah, just I mean, how it is. Could you imagine catching a football from josh allen is probably coming at you right. 90 something miles an hour right 10 yeah, not, yards not out. likely not likely you know it's gonna yeah. rip your hands but yeah so you were uh at the railroad kind of quit that so still do construction now yeah and yeah. then do the fire as well so balancing life with fire and construction because fire you got 24s right right so you got 24 hour shifts uh one on two off and all that how has life been has it been better being at home, because uh, now the railroad is pretty profitable overall. Yeah. So now yeah. you kind of took a pay cut with this. What has life been like overall now that you've done this? Well, so as for construction goes right now, it's it's a backseat. Um, I'm in paramedic school with Gadsden Fire. They have, uh, I signed a contract to go to paramedic school. Um, reason being, 90, I'm going to say 95% of the calls that we run in the fire service is medical calls. Yeah. I genuinely care about people. Mm-hmm. and showing up on a scene and not being able to help somebody because there's not really anything you can do as a basic EMT other than write down a few things, you know, right. check someone's blood sugar, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I wanted to feel like I was actually making a difference in someone living or not, you know? Sure. So when they gave me the opportunity to go to school, I was, I was on, all on board. I was like, heck yeah, I'll go. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And so now I'm in school full time as well. Mm-hmm. But I do still do the construction. It's just not like we had planned on doing. Right. You know, I, I've got a couple of remodel jobs going on. Um, well, we're going to talk about, um, you know, wanting to be better uh, for sure. Because that's kind of how it was with me. You know, you go through school and then you're. Uh, some people work as a tech or a patient care technician before nursing school. And then you yeah. got nursing school. You're in the school. And it's kind of like you want to grow up and keep doing more. Um, and I think that drive is good. I yeah. think it's good to have that for sure. But I think, and in, in, like you said, you want to help people. The primary motivator for me, that's always been for me, I enjoy it. Like I deeply get satisfaction out of seeing people get well, helping them and all that. And I think that's the kind of people we need in the medical field for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. You get so many people, uh, my twin brother, he you know, was a nurse practitioner for a long time. Mm-hmm. You get so many people. Uh, so, I mean, I say that saying I'm, I've been around people that's worked in the medical field his buddies, our buddies, uh, you get so many people that has just burned out and rather it's the pay and overworked. I, I know nurses, I mean, y'all, y'all have had it tough over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. COVID, COVID, COVID yeah. was, was horrible for anybody in the medical field. Yeah. Um, overworked, underpaid, you know, uh, a lot of States have nursing unions. Alabama does not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But if you you go to speaking about nursing unions in Alabama, they're going to hang you from a tree. Yeah, I like that. And so <laughs> it's uh, it's it 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 has its ups and its downs. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like I said, you get a lot of people in the medical field that just get burnt out and and they get tired of doing what they went to school doing and thinking that that's what they were going to enjoy doing for the rest of their life is, is helping people. And it became more of a mental problem for people in the medical field than right. it became, Hey, I just want to help people. Well, it's hard to separate personal from the work. I think a lot of people take a lot of stuff home, especially EMS, emergency medicine, all that. Um, so people that get burned out, you know, there, there's a lot of people I've encountered, uh, great people, but yeah. when they're at work, it's like, they're a different person. They're just, uh, upset, mad, all that. Um, do you think there's a point of no return to where I, when I you, do. when you burn out, I do. Uh, do you think there's any coming back from that? And how can you prevent that? I, I, I do. I think there comes a point where you get to a point where you're like, Hey, enough's enough. I, I, I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And to prevent that from happening. You have to be able to take time to yourself. You have mm-hmm. to be able to take a break, step away, go find something else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I, I know that sounds hard. Yeah. But I mean. Well, too, go, there's financial ramifications. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were people in a lot of debt, house, cars, all that. So taking a step back from their job, even if they hate it, is just very profitable. So it's it's hard to get away from that. You're right. Um, I, I would say this, too. Go work at a prison. Yeah. They'll hire you. That's true. I mean, you know, <laughs> that I believe the state of Alabama's base salary is starting out right now uh, for a correction officers a little over 50000 a year with no overtime. Right. You know, I could promise you it wouldn't make you think real, real quick. Hey, do I want to go back to nursing? Well, that just kind of goes and tells you there's a lot of jobs out there. If you're willing to work, if you're willing to do stuff, the money's there. Yeah. Uh, it might be something that's not great, but that entering, and that's kind of how um, I was raised by my dad to be, you know, you're not going to start out at the top. No. You're going to have to kind of, kind of work your way up a little bit, kind of do some things that you don't want to do. Um, I think people now it's just the mindset of everybody. I'm not going to do anything I don't want to do. Well, then you're probably not going to grow. You yeah. know what I mean? You have to be able to do stuff that you don't like to be able to grow. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's the thing about us, Jared, is we're, we're, we're in that generation yeah. where we got to experience life before the technology now. Mm-hmm. and life with the technology now that's a great point you know our generation is the only generation that has gotten to see both ends of it understand both sides of it and you know it's uh it plays a lot in mental health as well i mean yeah. you know people go to school you get this job and you're doing this and you're making this kind of money you get burnt out nursing ems medical field whatever the case may be and it's no longer about helping people. It's okay. Well, I need to find something to help me. Mm-hmm. I did this. Well, we grew up with all this technology. Let's, let's figure something else out. I mean, right. there's always another way out. There's always another thing you can do. I just, I hate seeing people get burnt out and stuff like that. Yeah, it's rough. And I think a lot of people, is, especially once you get a family and all that time to yourself kind of goes away, you know, you're working full time. Some people work overtime. Then you got a family, you got a wife to, just to, uh, you know, take care of and all that. And kind of, you just kind of go to the wayside and that may be okay for a time. I think there's a season. If you're in a ton of debt, you're looking to pay off some debt or whatever you can manage that, but doing that year after your year after and neglecting yourself, gaining weight, not looking after your health, not do, it's there's long-term ramifications for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a prime example of that, you know? No, you know, it's all right. But yeah, 
Um, so would you recommend fire uh, people that aren't maybe thinking about going into fire, thinking about doing that? Would you recommend that for them? I'm going to say this. I did not know what I was getting myself into in the beginning. I went through rookie school, um, found out real quick that I was not prepared for what I was getting myself into. Uh, fires are hot. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty obvious, mm -hmm. but you don't really realize how hot they really are until you're in the middle of one. Absolutely. And uh, it is cool. It is a adrenaline rush like no other. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't explain to you how cool it is. Mm. Um, you watch action movies growing up and you think, Hey, I'm a, I want to do that. You know, whether it's Arnold Schwarzenegger jumping off the hood of a car, shooting a robot or whatever, you know, like, Hey, that's so cool. That's True. what I compare running into a fire as, you know, it's mm. just the adrenaline rush. But, uh, you know, we, we don't get to see as many fires. So, so like I was telling you earlier, it's 95% medical stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, the the mental aspect of being a fireman some of the stuff you see some of the stuff some of the calls you hear on the radio um we i was at work one day and my my shift we we had we had a child that got ran over by a mm. car you know and, and then his own father ran him over yeah. and just hearing the commotion on the radio it's like oh man that's that's terrible especially you know it's five-year-old child i got a daughter that was five when that happened mm -hmm. so you know you start to see Man, that could happen to me. That could happen to my kids. Well, and I think so, when you work emergency in any capacity, uh, fire, EMS, in emergency, uh, in, in the ER, you see things that people watch TV for, yeah. but you see it in real life. Yeah. And when you see that, it's different from just watching it as entertainment. Yeah, there's no um, preparing yourself for that. No, there's no. I mean, you you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and saved me for my sins, you know, and... Mm -hmm. uh. I know that God has a plan. Sometimes we don't understand that plan, but uh, it's uh, it's it's tough. I mean, and it's just situations like that. It, it, it's tough to you know you, you you ask like, hey, and I know you're not you're also not supposed to question God, mm -hmm. but hey, you know what what possible plan could could come out of this? Sure, you know, and that that weighs in on people. And so if if you are thinking about getting into the fire service. Think real hard about it. Make sure, ask yourself these questions. Can 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 you deal with the possible death of a child? Could you deal with running up, pulling up on a wreck and it being your mother in the wreck and mm -hmm. her laying there dying, you know, and, and the guys you're working with or you are trying to save her life, you know? There's, there's, there's so many things that you need to be more prepared mentally than physically sure. to, to get in the fire service. Sure. I mean, I would say the same in nursing as well. Um, but something that I've talked about on a couple of other podcasts, I think it's great to kind of be exposed to it. You know, if, if fire is something that you want to do, kind of volunteer, try to do something, get in that space. Yeah. Uh, don't waste your time. I mean, I hate to say it so bluntly, yeah. but don't waste your time going through all the schooling, all that, and then get into it and say, I don't like it. Yeah. At least volunteer a couple of times and make sure it's something that you really want to do. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And there's a lot of departments out here that take volunteers. Um, if you, if you live in a city or you live in a County, find out, go ask them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, go, go stand at their station door, knock on the door, mm -hmm. you know, just don't go in the middle of the night, you know? Yeah. 
you know, you don't you don't want to wake us up at two in the morning unless it's an emergency. Sure, that kind of raised some eyebrows there. Yeah, me, but, but you know, go go ask, get involved, mm-hmm. uh, and it ain't just the fire service. Get involved in your community all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things Greg Ford has done since being gonna later, try to gonna try to get him on here. Actually. Yeah. Well, since one of the things he one of the things he has done since he's been mayor in Gadsden, you know, is he's trying to clean up the uh, the river. Yeah. You know, he's he's cleaned up around the city. And he's he's I will say he has done a really good job at getting people to volunteer their time to come out and help clean up the city of Gadsden. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Um good stuff, bro. Well, let's talk about um you talked about your Christian faith. Let's go ahead and dive on into that. So you said you're a Christian. Uh do you feel like you grew up in a Christian household, would you say? Uh yes, to an extent, actually. Um, you know, so my my mom and dad were married for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they divorced, of course, as we got older. Uh, we grew up in church. Uh, we had a few different churches. Uh, we actually had a pastor that worked for my dad uh, doing construction. Uh, you know, my grandfather was a music minister for years, and he actually passed. A couple years ago, I believe it was now, uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Powell, you know, he owned yeah. the John's menswear big and tall clothing store. It used mm-hmm. to be on Rainbow Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a little old man that used to sell fruit out of the back of his pickup truck at the bank parking lot, you know, mm-hmm. for years. You know, a lot of people remember him for that. But uh, he he was a, a, a big positive influence in our Christian faith. And, uh, you know my mom grew up in church and you know, my dad, on the other hand, he, he, he really, he, he lived a little bit of a tougher life. He had brothers who were a lot older than him. You know, some of them were pastors, uh, deacons and churches and stuff. But by the time my dad was of age to really start learning, they already had wives and kids of their own and had Mm. moved off. Uh, you know, my, my dad's dad died when he was 12 and his mom died when he was five. And so his brother and sister pretty much raised him and his brother, Arnold, my dad's closest brother, Mm -hmm. he died when my dad was 20 years old. And so it was just my aunt Lulu or Lou Jones. We call her Lulu. Um, Lulu and my dad, you know, that's pretty much all it was. And so my dad worked all the time. So church wasn't really a thing for him growing up. And then my mom and him got together and they got married. And I think they were married for probably 10 years before they had us. And uh, so they got to go and travel and do some things before they had kids. Mm. You know, I I took the other route, of course. But, uh, you know, it's uh, when we were born, they uh, started taking us to church. My granddad was going with us where we were going with them with my granddad and grandmama. And we, we had joined a couple of different churches over the years and, and, and felt at home. But on the same side of that, you know, we, my dad did construction. My mom sold real estate. We moved 27 times in a 12 year period. Wow. All within Etowah County. And, uh, so, you know, we'd, we'd be living in Southside, going to Southside Baptist, and then move to Rainbow City and hop on down there to Meadowbrook. And, you know, we'd go from Rainbow City to Atala. We'd be over at Camp Cybert, Cyberton Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uh, it was a lot. But, but yeah, yes, yeah. 
I never knew that about you. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So, so I think a lot of people could relate to that. Having parents, uh, the mom was kind of dedicated to church going on all that, and the father not as much. Not that he was bad or anything like that. But I think a lot of people, this very common statistically. Um, do you feel like that impacted you in any way? How, how was your overall impression of that with your mom being so gung ho about Christianity and your dad not as as committed to that? So I, I I've taken a lot from both of my parents sure. over the years. Uh, my mom's got a big heart. She loves people. I mean, she genuinely, like I was telling you earlier, like I, I genuinely care to help people, make people better. My mom has that same drive. Mm-hmm. She she loves everybody. And I'm not saying that my dad don't, because he does too. He genuinely cares about people. I mean, he was he was the president of a Tallis City School Systems Board of Education for 12 years. Oh, wow. And he, they, they received a check. I, I won't say it was like $600 a month. But he used to, he took his check every month for those 12 years and would donate it to a different program in the school system. I mean, he never once received a pay for being on the board and it, he, he did it not for the fame or the money, but he, he did it because he wanted to give back to the school and give back to the kids. Sure. And, you know, Atala, uh, being at Etowah, there, there was some money differences there and there versus a county school system, you know, they, so my dad, he like he would take a check and he'd donate it to the JROTC program. He'd donate it to the art program or the cheerleaders or the football team or the baseball team. You know, it just he he spread it out. Mm-hmm. So he he cared about helping people too. Mm-hmm. That's what I was getting at with that. Yeah. But uh, so my mom, her being the person she was growing up in her faith, we she used to collect the precious angel moments little thing when we were oh, kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember being a kid and my mom singing the old gospel hymns in the car going down the road. Uh, she would say our prayers with us at night as a child. Um, yeah, you know, I don't I don't really remember my dad coming in there and saying the prayers with us before bed. Right. But on the flip side of that, he also worked a lot. He sure. would come home. It was dinner, shower and bed. Yeah. Because he's got to get up at 5 a.m. the next morning and do it again. Do it again. So. Yeah. You know, my mom, she was a big push in our faith as a younger child and a younger age, mm-hmm. but my dad was there with us. Yeah, so. you know, that's it was a similar thing with my dad. My dad worked, you know, 50, 60-hour weeks. Sometimes during Christmas, he said he didn't work 70-hour weeks. He was UPS. Yeah. Uh, but I believe that he probably did. Oh, he did. You know, come home Absolutely. 9, 10 at night, go out at <laughs> 5, 6 in the morning. Um, but what I want to say about your dad, it seems like he was a – um, you know, behind the scenes, I think there's a lot of Christians and they want to, as Christians, we kind of want to give a good image to people say that we're good and all that, but to do something behind closed doors, there's scripture about this, you know, right. uh, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing vice versa. Um, I think that's a powerful thing that your dad did. And I think, you know, don't judge people off just the appearance. There's a lot of people that do stuff behind closed doors that you don't even know about for people. Um, but I think that's why it's, you know, everybody's personal responsibility to lead with conviction, uh, live through the Holy Spirit and let it, let it guide you for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But that's great, man. sounds like you're a uh, serious so Christian faith. Uh, so you talked about God before. So, yeah. uh, you know, God, godly marriage and all yeah. that. Um, so how is, how has your Christian faith been impactful in your life? Would you say overall? Well, I do believe that God has a plan for everything. I, I said that earlier. Um, take it, take it on back a little bit. You know, I, I became a father at 17 years old. Uh, and a lot of people don't know this, but my, my oldest son, Andrew, Andrew Moore, uh, I am not Andrew's biological dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
Andrew himself did not find that out till he was 12 years old. I remember. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we was talking about my son Brock's earlier, who genetic disease, you know, played a big part in me wanting to become a fireman so I could spend more time with him and experience, you know, the time that we've got here on Earth. You know, nobody's promised tomorrow. Sure. And I'm not saying Brock's lifespan is timed or anything like that, because it's not. He's going to have a normal life expectancy and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very fortunate with what he has. It's 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 nothing serious, serious, but it is to an extent. It, right. it can be physically demanding on him. Um, right. So his disease, I was, I was telling you earlier, I'm kind of getting off subject here. but No, you're good. So his body doesn't produce the myelin sheath that protects your nerve endings. So his nerves are exposed and he feels everything intensively all the time, but he was born that way. So, but as he gets older, his mobility is going to come slower and slower and slower, almost to where he may end up in a wheelchair one day. Mm. So that's, you know, I jumped back to, that's why I'm at the fire department. We'll spend more time with him while he's mobile. But anyways, so Andrew, my oldest son, I became his dad at 17 years old. And for the longest, I'd always heard people, oh, your best thing that's happened to him, you know, it's awesome that God put you in his life. And, you know, if it wasn't for you, you know, and his his grandmother and Andrew with this and, you know, but at the end of the day, it was like God put Andrew in my life for a reason. And it's, it, it's, it's becoming more clear now, the older I get, you know, it's, uh, I grew up in sports. Mm-hmm. I, I played ball. Huge sports fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have played Madden football together. Oh, we, yeah. we, we've we talked football. You know, huge sports guy. Um, one of the things I always wanted to do when I was through playing sports was I want to have a kid and, and coach him in sports. You know, I, I want to get to experience that. And so God put Andrew in my life, I do believe, uh, not just for sports, and I'm not – just saying it's because of sports, but God knew that that's what I wanted. That's, mm. that's what I, that's what I needed in my life because mm. I, it's all I've ever done. And, uh, so I, I got to be Andrew's dad and we got to do a lot of the things that I enjoy with Andrew and it taught him a lot of stuff, stuff that he grew up he loved. He loves sports. He still goes to the gym. He's out of high school now. You know, mm-hmm. he he's in the gym working out like he's getting ready to play on Friday night. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's we little league. We went to South Haven, Mississippi, and won the Dizzy Dean World Series. Got to go to Branson, Missouri, and represent Dizzy Dean. Uh, we went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and won the Turkey Bowl in football. You know, I got to go and experience a lot of that stuff that I'm not going to experience with Brock's right. uh, because of his, his muscle disease, you know, which doesn't change anything because I, I have other loves too. You know, I play guitar. Sure. Uh, I deer hunt. Um, a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. do construction, like build things, work, work with my hands. Uh, Isn't it something that you said about, you know, you know, your, your child has this, the disease or, you know, his, the muscular dystrophy type stuff. But God knew what you needed. Yeah. And, you know, you adopted practically that child when he was younger, um, not even knowing what what was going to happen with your other child with a genetic disorder. Yeah. But God knew what you needed. He yeah. knew what you needed. And so he gave you that. A lot of people uh, get into relationships 
uh, where the woman, men, uh, get into relationships with women that already have children. Yes. Stepchildren, stuff like that. Having somebody that was not your biological child, was that hard for you? Was it different for you? Was it something you had to get through and accept? What was that whole experience like? So, you know, at 17, Andrew not being biologically mine, I didn't have other kids. I didn't have other children. Um, So I didn't know that you could have a difference in love for children. Mm. Uh, But I will tell you now, I have children that I have birthed though I didn't birth that my wife birthed that her and I had together, you know, I feel no difference for my kids. Mm-hmm. I love Andrew as much as I do the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it's hard to explain. And, and, you know, people used to, it would make me so mad because people would say, Oh, just wait till you have a kid of your own one day. You know, you're, you're going to, you're going to see what it's like. You'll, you'll know there's a difference. But there, but there's not, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I can sit here and tell you there's not, I, yeah, I love I them think, all the same. I think it's just a decision. I think it's a decision where in your mind, uh, had a guy before you, Johnny Foster, yeah. uh, Dennis locally, but he said, you know, I just made the decision. This comes with this, you yeah. know, if I marry this woman, this is her child and this is going to become my child. There's no negotiation there. Yeah. You have to make the decision. You can't hold on to what was, uh, if you jump into this and like you said, you adopted the child. You made that decision. This is my child. There's no question about it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Andrew is mine. I mean, and you know, and it's crazy because he looks like me. He I does. Mean, his That's his baby pictures and yeah. everything. You know, it's it, it's he looks like a Quarles. You know, the blonde hair. Uh, he was heavier built, uh, younger, and now that he's older. Of course, he's not. He looks just like his mom. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So. It is. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy for me to think about sitting back now that I'm older and he's older, thinking that, you know, all these years people thought that I was going to be Andrew's guardian angel. And mm. here it is. Andrew was my guardian angel. Mm. You know, I growing up, had a lot of friends that they got off on drugs and became yeah. addicts and, you know, family. And, uh, you know, Andrew not only kept me on a straight path from following those same routes and roads that those guys did or you know the family did uh but it it gave me something to keep striving you know something some someone who depended on me i was just as much dependent on him and didn't even know it i think that's great what you said god do what you needed we kind of alluded to that earlier um who knows some people at 17 years old adopting a child that's like a nightmare like i have to take care of a kid all this but what you said, he kept you on the straight and narrow. He kept you motivated. God knew what you needed through that. Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't see the blessings in life. Yeah. We don't see, we only see the negative. Like, oh, I have to do this and this and this. When there's a 10, 20 year gap of what your life is going to be. And if you don't do this, if you don't go through this pain, you're not going to become what you need to be later. Absolutely. And there's a reason for every situation. For Absolutely. Sure. So, yeah, you're a husband, man. Uh, yeah. You've been married for a little bit. How long have you been married? You're going to put me on the spot. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. We've been married for six years now. Six years. Six years. That's six great. Six years. Man. So I, I feel like in this day and age, that's kind of a long time. It is I a feel long like, time. I mean, that's a long marriage, honestly, nowadays. It is. Uh, so what has marriage been like? Of course, ups and downs. Of course. Man, uh, Of course, is. difficulties and everything. But overall, what is marriage like? Would you recommend it to, to men as a whole? Absolutely. But I will say this. Love your wife. Love your wife as God loves you. Mm-hmm. And she will love you as God loves you. Mm. You have to keep God in the middle of your marriage if you wanted to make it work. I love my wife more than anything on this earth. 
and and that's that's more than myself, more than my kids. My wife is a wonderful, wonderful person. Mm. You think about it. I went from being on the railroad, making, bringing home probably $3,200 a week mm-hmm. to coming to work for Gazden Fire when I hired on making $10.38 an hour. Yeah. That does not just affect you. Yeah. That affects your wife. That affects your family. And my wife is a huge, huge help um, mentally, emotionally. Things that guys don't really talk about. Yeah. She's, she's the backbone of our family. And, and I, I probably would never tell her that to her face, mm. but, but she, I mean, she is, I mean, she, she's gone and got her real estate license. She's a realtor now. She's selling houses. So she's helping supplement the income that was lost from going from being a railroader to a fireman. Mm-hmm. But on the same side of that, I'm home now. I'm, I'm spending more time with her. I'm spending more time with the kids. Um, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes she's like, oh, will you just go back to work now. You give me a break, you know, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, my wife's a, an amazing person and, mm. you know, back to faith, God put me and her together and, you know, I just, I've got so many things to be thankful for, mm-hmm. but her, it, she is most definitely the biggest one. I well, mean, a lot of men will say marriage motivates them, makes them a better man. And, and I think the, the look of marriage now is just the risk of it. Um, it's for a lot of men, it's like, uh, I don't want to risk all that. Uh, what is really the benefit? But there's a lot of, statistically, men live longer. Men are happier that are married. Um, do you feel like when you got married uh, that that was very impactful? Has it changed your life for the better? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it has. You, we're, we're best friends. I mean, you know, it's you you live with somebody, you're, you're you know, you're pooping on the commode with her in the shower, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, she's hollering at you to spray some air freshener cause it stinks. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's just, you're, you become best friends and yeah. you know, I'm sure you had friends growing up. You had one particular person who was your best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you don't really know what friendship is until you become married Yeah, and, and you've been married for a while. Mm-hmm. Yes. There is days that we can't stand each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're at each other's throat. Um, but my wife will tell you and anybody that she's ever talked to, she knows at the end of the day, I'm coming home to her. I'm not going to do anything to her that would hurt her. Right. Um, you know, and and that's something too, uh, growing up and seeing is, is families that come from broken homes, you know, where mm-hmm. the spouse is beat on the wife or the wife and the husband, you know, they're back and forth at each other. Um, and coming and going, leaving, not yeah, you know, you in know. and out, you know, running around on each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, without getting too personal, you know, that was some of my parents' problems. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would not in a million years ever dream of cheating on my wife. Mm-hmm. I not in a million years would ever dream of putting hands on my wife, no matter what the situation is. And it's not just because she's my wife. Man, that's my kid's mother. Mm-hmm. You know, how could I look at my, my child in the face if I hurt his mom or right. her mom? You know, like that's that's what that's what kills me is that people that do that. I mean, like you're not just affecting your wife. Well, I think it's a break in character. You have to not let it. First of all, men with emotions, we have to be able to control. I think women get a pass, in my opinion. Yeah. They get to do whatever the emotionally that's fine. Uh, but as a man, you have to be able to feel, 
recognize stuff, but you have to kind of maintain frame a little bit. Uh, but as a character status, that's not something you do. You don't hit women. No. You not don't at cheat all. on your wife. Not you at don't all. do that. That's something we just don't do. And so I think if you have that, that is my standard. That is what I live by. It's not going to happen. You know, now mistakes happen and all that. It does. But some stuff is inexcusable. Yeah. It's just something that you don't so, do. Some things you can say mistakes all you want. Some things aren't mistakes. Right. Some things you know going into it. That's hey, right. I'm I'm fixing to make a mistake. That's well, right. If you, if you tell yourself you're fixing to make a mistake, then by God, you better go the other way. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's right. I mean, well, the, the Bible says flee. Yeah. Flee from sin. You yeah. know, you kind of play with fire for so long, you're going to get burned. Yep. To use that analogy. Um, and a lot of people do. You know, um, you just got to run from it. If there's sin in your life, if there's something that you think eventually you're going to get burned by, you just got to run away from it and get away from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so marriage, if anybody's thinking about getting married, marry your best friend. She's awesome. I mean, my wife, I, I'm telling you. I, I can't speak highly enough of that woman. Well, that's what the bond is supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed to be two people becoming one in the sight of God. It's a beautiful thing, man. And I think once you view marriage as that, there's no way out. And two, I talked about in the last podcast, there's so many options. Yeah. You can just message somebody now and hook up, whatever. Have the view. If you get married, there's no way out. No. Like, we're in it. And no yeah. matter how hard it gets, you can hate each other's guts for a couple yeah. of days. People go through seasons of years where yeah. it's not. It's tough. It's just hard. Uh, but there's no way out. I, I made this vow before everybody, before God and everybody, this is where I'm at, and I'm not escaping that. You know, so I had a I had a old man tell me one time, he said, you know, when you get married, you will fall out of love with your wife. She's going to fall out of love with you. Marriage, if you're in love with each other for the next 50, 60 years, however long you live, something's wrong. But what makes a marriage a marriage is when you do fall out of love with each other, how you work through those times, how you work through those hardships. That's right. How you work through trying to find that love and reconnecting with each other over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what? I, I, I try to remember that in the back of my head anytime me and my wife get in a little argument or something. Yeah. I mean, we, we are, we've been married six years. Yeah. We do have our arguments. We do have our disagreements, financial agreement, uh, disagreements. I mean, you know, it's, it's huge. Yeah. Um, like I said, man, I went from making good money to making nothing, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, her her getting her real estate license and her working, she teaches gymnastics, too. I mean, she she does several things. She's actually got her in the process of becoming a substitute teacher, too. So, I mean, uh-huh. she, she does several things. Um, and she takes care of the kids right. a lot by herself because mm-hmm. I'm gone for 24 hours at the fire mm-hmm. department. And so if one of the little ones needs their butt wiped, it's her running to wipe the butt. It's her getting them dinner and getting them bathed and getting them into bed at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which on the flip side of that, when I'm home, I do try to cook dinner for her. I try to help with the bass. Um, uh, I'm still over like when, when the kids go poop, like waiting on her to get up and go wipe them, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not huge on wiping butts, but yeah. I, I mean, I have and I will. Sure. But, uh, yeah. So well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a team effort. It I think, is. I think that's the main thing as a man, too. You got to understand um, kind of an older way of thinking. I'm still big on mother stays at home. That's me. Uh, I'm big on that. Like when, whenever I have children, uh, my wife will stay at home. But it's a team effort. There's not something, oh, my wife has to do this and this and this and this. Now, I, we have an expectation, like if the wife stays home, you know, a lot of things are done and all that, 
But when I come home, if I have to wash the dishes, so what? If yeah. I have to clean something up, so what? It's a team effort all around. And I yeah. think if you go into marriage saying you have to do this and this is your job, and no, it's a team effort. We're all in this together. Absolutely. Uh, High School Musical. That just Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, it's a team effort, and you just got to go into it like that. And I think if you do that, it's a very healthy way to view it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, Zach that's Efron. <laughs> but anyways, so, I mean, yeah, you know, it's – I used to have the same mentality, like, hey, my wife's going to stay at home. She's going to be a stay-at-home mom. You know, my mom was, for yeah. the most part. You know, it's, uh, I felt that way for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then having the realization of life hitting you in the face full force, you know, it gives you a new perspective. Yeah. Um, I, I still would love for my wife to be at home and not out here having to work or anything. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, for us to live the kind of life that we want to live and have the things that we want to have and our kids to experience the things that we want them to experience, it takes both of us. Yeah. Um, but I think it, everybody's situation is different for sure. Yeah. Uh, but But I do agree with that. I think it's... You know, it's give and take. Uh, you got to just see kind of what works for you and everything. But everybody's situation is different for sure. Yeah. I could have that expectation, but then when it happens, you know, maybe yeah. uh, it just it just kind of all depends. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, my job's insurance and a little bit of money here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, her her job makes she makes a lot more than I do when she sells a house. You know, yeah. her, her paycheck versus my paycheck huge difference. Yeah. So, um. We need her to sell some more houses if anybody out there needs a realtor. Yeah, I'll put the link below. I'll put yeah, that in the description. Yeah, if anybody yeah. needs a realtor, hit us up. Yeah, I'll put that in the description below if somebody needs a realtor. Uh, it's a good time to buy a house. You know, getting back on being married and my Christian beliefs, mm. you know, you grow up in a family and you have your Christian beliefs and the way you were raised in church. And then you get married and she was raised in a church. She was raised in a Southern Baptist church like me. Uh-huh. But you have two different families coming together, and it makes it difficult. Uh, we both have questions that, you know, we've never really been, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess able to ask a pastor or a family member, you know, because you're, you're, you're afraid of the way you're going to be looked at for thinking or asking these questions. Right. And so... With your spouse, there's been nights where Lauren and I has laid in bed and have talked to each other about different things and asked, you know, and then, you know, we'll go to hitting each other, like with different scriptures of, you know, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that, you know, and so it, it your face kind of come together mm-hmm. as husband and wife i guess is what i'm getting at yeah i think that's a beautiful thing and i think that's that's what it's all about though you know yeah. being equally yoked you're both christian but you both kind of came from different backgrounds raised a little bit differently but coming together and kind of forming your own thing and that's what marriage is you're not bringing in just your opinion of how you were raised right. or her bringing in just hers you're creating something brand new right. and that's something i would say to people in relationships marriages whatever is that you're creating your own life uh, one person isn't just making it themselves. Talk to each other, communicate, talk about, I did it like this. You do it like this. What do we want to do together? You know, I th- and I think a lot less frustration will come from that. If both people work as a team that way and get that done like that. Absolutely. Cause I'll be the first to tell you, there is things that my family does that I looking back now, I'm like, Oh my gosh, why do, why did we do that? Like, right. I'm out. I'm, I'm not, you know, and there's things that, 
she'll tell you, like, we grew up doing this. Oh, I can't believe we used to do that. Why? You know? And so we have. We've kind of developed our own little way of being a family. And mm-hmm. we're, we're doing it with the kids. And so, mm-hmm. and, and we enjoy it. I mean, man, I one of my favorite things to get to do is go home, sit at the kitchen table, and play Uno with my wife and kids. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Yeah, such a basic thing, but I'm sure, you know, when you're married and people that, that don't have kids might not understand that, but just time with children, and it gets away. I know yeah. it probably does. They grow up quick, right? You know, I don't I don't remember my dad ever coming home and us playing Uno together. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think her dad ever came home and played Uno with them. I mean, I, you know, it's just things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think there's been a big focus and a big shift. I was kind of the same way. My dad just worked a lot. Yeah. Your dad worked a lot. Mine did too. Um, it was just kind of the time. Now we did stuff every now and then, you know, yeah. went fishing or like randomly and all that. But go to ball games, uh, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But as far as the time, like that emotional, deep yeah. emotional connection there. And I think there's a big shift. I've seen in families, a lot of TikTok and Instagram pages, like that, they kind of focus on that, like good ways to connect with your kids. Yeah. And I think that's the way I want to build my life for sure. Yeah. But you know, technology, man, I, you get back on technology. We're, we're born in that generation of yeah. before technology and after technology. Yeah. Uh, kids today are exposed to a lot more, you know, so they're under a lot more pressure. You know, yeah. they, they, they see TikTok, they see Instagram, they see Facebook, they see Snapchat, and they have their perception of what life is. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they follow their, the big hits on TikTok and think, wow, that's how life's supposed to be. I'm going to act like this person. I'm going to act like that person. Mm-hmm. So you as a parent have to make time to sit down with your kids and, and play games with them, uh, eat dinner with them, you know, talk to them and, and let them see, Hey, that, that life that you're looking at is not necessarily what life is about. Well, I think, you know, this is kind of a hot take, but I'm going to say it anyway. But a lot of the promiscuity, a lot of the uh, people are searching for something, right. you know, they're searching for connection that they didn't get when they were younger. You right. know, I think in our generation, I think it's very common people in their mid twenties to mid thirties, your parents worked a lot. Yeah. Uh, latchkey kids. And like maybe a little bit of generation before us, both parents worked. There just wasn't a lot. You were home by yourself. There wasn't a lot of deep emotional connection. Yeah. Eating at the dinner table. Not common. You know, you just didn't do that. And so I think that's kind of the way we are. And I think for us to grow and as men, as leaders, what we need to do is set this standard uh, two, three nights a week, maybe started with a night a week. We're going to sit down at the dinner table and have food together. You know, that was the one thing that my dad, I can say, I remember doing on yeah. Sundays, uh, you know, Sundays growing up, the Simpsons were coming on, King of the Hill was coming on, um, Steve Urkel, whatever that show was called, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- those shows were coming on. Sunday nights was going to be pizza, hamburgers, or French fries. Yeah. And we were going to all pile up in the living room and watch those TV shows together and eat. Mm-hmm. And and I remember that till today, mm-hmm. that that was the stuff that I was getting to do. You know, my dad wasn't worried about getting up and going to work the next day. Uh, he he was going to get up and go to work. But, but that was the night that he was going to sit in there. We were all going to watch TV and eat together. Right. And so... You know, and I do remember that. And and so the kind of stuff that like that, I want my kids to remember one day, right. you know, hey, dad sitting in there playing Uno and him rubbing it in our face every time he beats us, you know, sure. holding up dubs like I'm, 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 I'm the winner of Uno. Yeah. Sure. I just, and that's, I just that's, kind, of, and that's uh-huh. kind of breaking, a, breaking off and doing your own thing. 
Um, you know, you see the good parts of you raising some things you want to change. And now yeah. as a parent and as, as a husband, you get to kind of create your own thing with your wife and kind of create that beautiful life that you want. I think that's the way to do it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it is tough. Um, my kids was talking about social media. They, they don't have cell phones. I, I'm, I don't. And how old are your kids? We didn't really establish okay, that. Well, I have Andrew who's 18. Uh, he doesn't know, have a cell phone. He, well, he does. Of yeah. Course. He's, I mean, he's grown now, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I got Kennedy that's 10. Uh, we have Emery who is six and we have Broxton who is four now. Mm. Uh, but my younger kids, I'm not talking about Andrew cause Andrew's, like I said, he's 18. He's grown now. Uh, or he thinks he is anyways. He's mm. he, but he knows I could still take him if, if I needed to. Right. I mean, he, he'll, that's he'll, important. he'll, he'll tell you, <laughs> Hey, dad's got me. Yeah. And, and if I don't, you can come try me when you want to boy. Right. Uh, but no, <laughs> uh, but I, my younger kids, they, they're not going to have a cell phone until they're 16. Uh, and that's one thing that my wife and I, we have had some dis agreements on. Mm. She's like, well, what about when they get in middle school and they got cheer practice or whatever? And I'm like, well, did you have a cell phone in middle school at cheer practice? Well, no. Well, then was you okay? Yeah. Well, they will be too. Somebody there will have a phone if somebody needs to be called. Right. Uh, but anyways, and I learned from being Andrew's dad too, that having a 12 year old with a cell phone is a horrible thing. It is a horrible thing. Uh, and I can only imagine how much worse it will be with little girls versus doing it with little boys. Well, I think the risk is too great. You know, the risk versus benefit is, is too great. I have the same opinion and that's a really hot take because some people are like, that's crazy. They're just, it's just a cell phone. I've seen five-year-olds with a cell phone. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's it's crazy. Yeah. But it happens. And I I don't think, I think you're kind of naive. Yeah. I think these kids now, the exposure how they have the whole world, every bit of information they could yeah, ever want in hand. their hand. That's is too young to have. You're uh, absolutely right. That you know we need to be guiding these children in a positive way. And if you allow the world to teach them, they'll teach them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know the the whole social media thing is it's awful. I mean it it really yeah. is. Uh, without getting too far into the social media theories and all this, but it bullying is a huge topic you mm. know uh me growing up when you were growing up mm-hmm. uh social media was just getting started uh myspace yeah and then it was facebook and uh you know we used to crack jokes on each other all the time at school uh i was being the butt end of those jokes 90 percent of the time sure and I bring a lot of it on myself. I know that. Yeah. And I can take it. It, it it's doesn't. It they doesn't, joke with me too, and I, I brought a lot. It's just, just all fun, man. Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't bother me. Uh, you mm. know, I let it roll right off. Sure. But when it came to a point where it was a problem, and you let somebody know, hey, man, that's enough, and they continue to do it, well, we're gonna fight, mm-hmm. and it's gonna end. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're gonna shake hands, and and it's gonna be over with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember I got a fight in high school. Uh, somebody yelled cops after I just beat this dude up and I seen him walking down the road. I stopped, picked him up and gave him a ride to his truck mm. and then went home. And, uh, you know, with the social media, kids are bullying each other through a computer screen. Yeah. And, you know, they're making fake profiles and, and they're, 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 they're exposing these kids to too much. And, you know, especially with girls, little girls. Mm hmm. 
image is everything. Yeah. Well, their their Facebook and Instagram is more important than their actual image. Yes. Yes. I mean, imaging is everything. And when you go to tarnishing that image, it oh, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. Well, for a young kid, that's everything to them. Yeah. I mean, their image and all that. So when it's it's detrimental. But I want to say something about that. You know, like you said, when you said that's enough, yeah. you, you can stop. Uh, that's the end. We're, we're cutting that right there. And then they continue to do it. Then we're going to scrap. Yeah. But social media, there's no stopping it. No. It's continuous. No, it's because- con- forever. And so there's really no, no stopping it. And I think that's the issue is there's no ramifications for your actions. You can right. say whatever, nobody's going to hit you. Absolutely. But used to, you know, if somebody's doing it to us, it's like, okay, meet me over here and we'll see what's going to go on yeah. with it. And uh, even if you got your butt whooped, you got the point across. Hey, I'm right. not going to put up with this. I'm right. standing up for myself. That's right. But, you know, you got... You got people that's making fake profiles. You don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I have seen and read where people have committed suicide from being bullied over social media. Yeah. That's sad. It I mean, sad. that's terrible. Mm-hmm. We have, as a society, have let and have, I can't believe that we have gotten to that point is, mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to get at. That we yeah. have let in social media make that big of an impact on our world today. Yeah, well, they're, you know, they're, you know, legislators are kind of fighting that, uh, trying to to stop it. You know, even kids using TikTok. Yeah, you know, kids are exposed to kids, and there's like a kid friendly, but man, just the amount of stuff that people are exposed to and the bullying and all that, it's it's gotten out of hand for sure. I think it was created for good. You yeah. know, Facebook, all that it was, and it's a great way to connect and all that. But of course, with any good thing, there's people that are going to use it in a negative way, and that's kind of what it's become. Well, I do believe you sh- you should have to grow up like we did for a little while without. The go social outside, medias man. Go, outside. go outside and play go barefoot you know that's that's the thing man like growing up we used to be able to go ride our bikes up and down the neighborhood play yep. hide and go seek with the neighborhood kids we was right. out there playing backyard football you know somebody catching a pass and getting speared you know into the pine tree mm-hmm. you know and you're, you're you're jumping up and you're like oh god that hurt but yeah. you're afraid to go inside and tell mom or dad you're hurt because then you're afraid you're gonna get in trouble yeah well now you as a parent it's, I don't want my kids going outside. Yeah. I mean, I, somebody might come by and pick them up and take them off. Yeah. You know, we didn't have to worry about that Mm-mm. when I was a kid. You know, you I don't, know, I don't think my mom was worried about somebody kidnapping me. Yeah. Coming from a medical perspective, you know, there's a lot of disorders, uh, ADHD, ADD, for, for example, and other uh, childhood disorders that have just skyrocketed I mean, in ADHD. severity. Yeah. And skyrocketed in severity. And, you know, the amount of people that were diagnosed, um, it used to be very little, yeah. but I, th- I feel like with the induction, uh, the introduction of social media, a lot of technology and all that has really ramped it up. Do you feel like that impacted Absolutely. it at all? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I do. It's just, it just, it blows my mind that social media has gotten what it has. Yeah. So well, it's a monster and it's a money making machine ads and all that, you know, it's not going to stop, but, but that's why I think you have to stop it in the home. And that's with almost every single problem that's happening with children. Now, what does your home look like? Yeah. You can say no cell phones. The kids are going to be mad. They're going to be upset. Yeah. They may be, but that's okay. We understand the long-term, uh, the goal, the goal that we want our kids to be and all that. That, that falls back to the, You're good. That, that falls back to the playing Uno with the kids, you know, mm-hmm. giving them something else to do. Right. You know, uh, yes, my kids do have tablets. They have YouTube kids downloaded on there. They can watch their shows on that. Uh, they have a little couple games that's on there that we have downloaded and approved to be downloaded on the tablet. Sure. Um, but they're not just going to sit there and be on the tablet all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, 
you're you're not no we're let's go do something else let's you know go play with your spider-man toys go play with let's go play with paw patrol toys sure let's uh let's do something else well the tablet coming from a medical perspective a pediatrics perspective uh milestones like yeah. you said your your child didn't reach all these milestones a touch in the screen doesn't do anything you have to have tactile stimulation yes move your whole hands fingers do stuff uh mentally and all that and uh you know an ipad and stuff is great to use but you have to be in the real world getting your hands dirty and yes. all that too as part of development yeah it's it's crazy to think that all these movies that we you know we grew up on or you know you're starting to see a lot of this stuff yeah um what was it the guy the guy that plays in john wick what's his name keanu reeves keanu reeves movie with the matrix yeah you know you're you're in the system i mean you know that's to me that's kind of like what social media and electronics have become it's 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 taking you away from reality and you're being put into this matrix world of youtube and tiktok and facebook and all that but it's so so, addictive i mean that's the thing and they make it so addictive and it's just hard to let it go if you're not logically a subcon if the subconscious is driving you there and consciously you're not thinking i have to limit my my time on this you're just gonna get sucked into it yeah yeah you know it's um, it's you know even as an adult First thing I do in the mornings when I wake up, you know, I go to bed. My phone's by my bed. It's my alarm clock, mm-hmm. you know. How many times, Jared, have you woke up? What's the first thing you grab? Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm i guilty. Mm-hmm. I'll grab my phone. Oh, let's see what's on Facebook at four in the morning, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It's an addiction problem. Just you know, it, it's it's bad. Well, something I've I've tried to do now, I put my phone on Do Not Disturb from six p.m. to eight a.m. Yeah. So at night, you know, when I'm with my girlfriend, when I'm with whatever, there's no interruptions, and I think that's a challenge for for men to do. There's nothing on your phone that's that important yeah. to take you away from your kids, from your wife. Yeah. Some some people's wives are sitting there starving for attention when they're just solely absorbed in their <laughs> phone. Um, that's a challenge for men. Men, put it on Do Not Disturb. Get off your phone. Talk to your wife. Talk to your children. Be present. Don't just be there, a body sitting in a room, and you're not fully present with your children and your wife, man. Absolutely. Uh, you got to be there for them. And uh, if you do that, I think if people are on their phones a lot and do that, if you make that change, look at how your marriage is going to be. Absolutely. Look at how your children are going to act. It's going to be so much better for you, but you have to logically and consciously make that decision to do it. Hey, I'm, I fail all the time as a parent. Sure. And I fail all the time as a husband. Um, growing up with my dad, you know, being working all the time, uh, having a twin brother, you know, we we were at each other's throats all the time. Mm-hmm. And my dad telling us to shut up and, you know, chewing our butts out, which we deserved it. I mean, we were wild. I mean, mm-hmm. you remember us as kids. We yep. we we were wild. Yeah, Nobody my, my wanted to watch mine. us. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, we, we went through some babysitters over the years. Uh, yeah. um, so, you know, I learned to be a dad from my dad. And so I do, I, 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 I fail a lot as a parent I, and, and as a, as a husband too. I mean, there's, there's things that my wife would like for me to do that I don't do, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's, there's times where I get short tempered with my kids and, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say I beat my kids because mm-hmm. I don't. But I do spank my kids when yep. I need it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and and that's something else that, you know, the world has gotten away from is is discipline in the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a difference in beating your child and spanking your child. Mm-hmm. When I say spank, 
I mean, take your open hand and pop that child on the butt. Sure. You know, they're going to cry for a minute, but mm-hmm. they're going to remember getting popped on the butt. They're yeah. going to know what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brock's, on the other hand, our little boy, he has a genetic muscle disease where, you know, nerve endings are exposed. So he feels everything intensively. Right. Uh, learning how to discipline him is a little different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't, we don't want to have to bust his butt, but. You know, I, I I believe he's been popped a time or two on the behind, but it, it doesn't really affect him. He just looks at you and says, that didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. So well, I want to say this, you know, some people say that spanking is abuse and you can kind of uh, expand on that if you want to. But teaching, treating all kids the, the same. Yeah. Uh, some people say if you have kids, all of them need to be treated the same, need to be disciplined the same. Me and my brother, he was spanked so much more than me. My dad could just be like, I'm disappointed in, in what you... And I'd just sit there and bawl, cry. You didn't have to spank yeah. me hardly at all. So do you feel like it's like that with your kids? Like, you, well, the muscular dystrophy that your that your son has. Yeah. Do you feel like it's, you have to kind of treat some kids differently? And do you think that's a bad thing? No, I mean, I, you know, yes and no. Mm. So my kids, uh, Emery, my six-year-old, you can look at her the wrong way and she's going to tear up she's going to break down she's going to cry she's tender-hearted um you don't have to spank emory to get your point across Mm -hmm. if it gets to the point where you're having to spank emory because of something she's done it's 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 bad but Mm -hmm. but but no i mean it it, every kid responds different to learning and 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 some it takes spanking too some it takes grounding uh some it takes putting in time out brock's at four years old hey if you don't stop i'm gonna call santa and tell him to put you on the naughty list you know yeah. it's 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 things like that so i mean i agree they're there and not every kid should be treated the same as mm-hmm. far as discipline because not every kid's going to respond the same exactly so exactly yeah i mean i think some kids too you could uh just talk to them or yell at them and it'll crush them you know and all yeah. that but some kids you yell at them and be like whatever um, and of course you shouldn't yell at kids, but, um, but, but I think sometimes it, is, it does happen. It does. I mean, people aren't perfect and all that. Um, but it does happen. Absolutely. But I think that's something that's really important. Kind of looking at what your kid responds to best and you're doing this out of love. Yeah. You know, I, absolutely. you know, people that, that abuse kids or whatever, terrible shouldn't happen. There's no excuse for it whatsoever. Yeah. But and there's never a point where people, that's what gets me with the abuse is people say, well, I was doing this and it just got out of hand. That's no. like I was telling you earlier. There, there is never a situation where something should get out of hand. Right. It's like it, you're going to make the mistake. You know, going into it, you're going to make that mistake. Walk That's away. Right. That's right. You know, if you're getting on to your kid, take a deep breath. Yeah. Count to ten. Think about what what they're getting in trouble for, and think about why you're reacting the way you're reacting before you go punish that child. Well, I think it goes I'm back to of not doing that myself. Yeah, but, I think it goes back to kind of the beginning before you even get married. Get yourself right as a man. You know, prepare yourself for marriage. And that's about being a father and all that. You got to be able to control your emotions. You yeah. have to be able to be grounded in yourself, understanding, because we all have faults. We all kind of lean toward a certain way of being. You know, some men are more angry, some people are more anxious, whatever. Know yourself and know what to put in front of yourself to kind of stop you from tipping over the edge because that's how things happen. I think some good people can do bad things. Absolutely. They just don't know how to control themselves or whatever. They end up beating their wife, whatever they do. But I don't know necessarily everybody that does that is a terrible person. They just haven't done the work themselves right. to fix themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot. And like I said, I'm not perfect by no means. It's mm. it's a daily struggle. I'm, yeah. I'm still learning. 
35 years old, four kids, oldest mm-hmm. one being 18. I learn every day how to be a better father mm-hmm. and how to be a better husband every day. Yeah. So that's great, man. Well, I think you're doing a good job. Have a well, beautiful family and all that, man. I that's appreciate great. it, man. So you mentioned before we talked about your brother was a twin. Um, how was it having a twin? How was it the experience and all that? Well, I also have a sister, by the yeah. way. I hadn't got to bring her up yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hannah, our, she's two years younger than me and Wesley, my twin brother. Uh, we gave her hell. <laughs> and mm. I'm, I, I mean, it was, it was, and she's horrible. younger. She's two yeah. years younger. Oh, okay. Uh, could you imagine her having twin brothers? I mean, it, ah, uh, and we were rough. Yeah. But, anyways, so Wesley, growing up with Wesley, man, I don't really talk about it a whole lot, but but Wesley and I were together nine months before our parents even met us. Mm. You know, uh, we we were in the womb together, and Wesley and I have known each other longer than anybody on earth has known each other. I mm. mean, you know, like I said, we were together nine months before our parents met us. Yeah. Uh, I'm his best friend. He's my best friend outside of my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um. Wesley has his issues mm-hmm. and I've had my issues and that doesn't change how I feel about my brother. I love him to death. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. And anybody that knows Wesley personally knows Wesley is a great guy. I agree. Uh, the dude would give his shirt off his back to anyone in need. You know, his political views on the other hand, I'm not going to get off on that because yeah. we have a huge <laughs> disagreement on political beliefs. Sure, but sure. anyways, uh, but growing up with a twin, man, it was it was awesome. I mean, as a kid, having somebody your age that's constantly there for you to play with, you know, uh, whether it's playing video games or shooting basketball or, or going outside and throwing baseball. I mean, I can remember being my aunt and uncle living down the road from us and my uncle outside playing basketball with us, playing cow. Mm-hmm. And me and Wesley out there shooting the ball and having that one person who was always there to play with you, you know, we, my uncle was being all time quarterback. We had, we had, we'd played football against each other, you know, having that person there always, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. We, we, we got into a lot as kids. Um, no, we, I remember one year before. So my dad used to have, he used to get high school people to come work for him in the summer, football players. Oh, okay. And, uh, the year Edwall won state championship in football, I think it was 99, he had uh, Kevin Worthy, who played football at Iowa, was a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he worked with us. Uh, Wes Garman, the Garmans, their their dad used to be Leon Garman, the attorney. Yeah. Uh, Wes and his sister, Leslie Garman, they helped watch us. Seth Taylor, who played football at Edwall, too, he helped watch us. Uh, just a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the year before... Uh, one summer when they were all working with my dad, we had been through a couple different babysitters. Uh, Wesley had actually, one of them, he was going to call my mom and tell her something. And the babysitter was mad and wouldn't let him call her. And so Wesley took the phone and threw it at her and hit her in the nose and broke her nose. What? And yeah, I remember he tied, we tied a babysitter up one time and put her in the closet. And we were, we were <laughs> oh terrible. Gosh. We were, we were terrible that kids. Hilarious. That's probably why my dad beat the snot out of us growing up. Yeah. You know? Uh, we, we needed it we were terrible i yeah. mean we watched a lot of the home alone movies and that is a horrible thing to let the kids watch because they're going to attempt to make these same booby traps i can promise you wow uh but yeah we were we were bad and uh but we were bad together i mean there was yeah. a lot of stuff that we got into together 
But my dad had said one year, he said, enough's enough. You know, I'm, I'm, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get these high school boys. They're going to watch you. They're going to be your babysitter. Let's see you break one of their nose. Let's see you tie one of them up, put them in a the closet, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, those were the best babysitters we ever had, by the way. That's uh, awesome. There, there was not really a whole lot of supervision there. Yeah. We were out on the river swimming, uh, riding around on a gator. You know, we, we did a lot of things that most 12-year-olds, 11, 12-year-old at the time, uh, wasn't supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, jumping off a two-story pier into the Coosa River, climbing up the rocks and jumping off, you know. Right. If my mom only knew some of the things that we did around that time, then they wouldn't have gotten to be our babysitter. Right. But it it, it kind of helped us grow up a little bit. You know, it, it, it helped shape me and Wesley. Um and to stop being turds, I guess you could say. Well, I'm sure seeing older guys, you know, being around older guys, just yeah. kind of what modeling after them, it kind of helped you, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we, like I said, we were some turds. I mean, mm-hmm. we were we were pretty bad. But a lot of people see twins and they're like, uh, you know, they're like, do y'all like the same girls or like do y'all do all the same stuff and all that? What was that like having somebody so close to you and kind of separating and building your own life? Uh, so me and Wesley are a lot alike in a lot of ways. Yeah. But we are also totally complete different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know us both. Um, but And it's funny, our our wives, both of them are dark haired. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. So, no, I mean... We we do like I said, man. We we had a lot in common, but but we also differ in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so there 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 was times growing up where Wesley, uh, you know, he wanted he quit playing baseball our sophomore year in high school. Said, hey, I'm I'm not gonna play baseball anymore. I'm, I'm gonna concentrate on football. You know, and it it was devastating to me. I was like, man, how, how are you gonna quit playing baseball, man? We we've been growing we've grown up doing this since we were kids, like Mm -hmm. four or five years old out here playing T-ball together. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be the first time I've ever had to play baseball without my brother, you know? And, you know, through the season, it it was weird because my brother wasn't there. Uh, But, but we adjusted and, and he ended up coming back out and playing. And I ended up not playing. I ended up not playing baseball my senior year. Uh, It wasn't my choice. Of course, I'd had a few shoulder surgeries, and ended up missing out on baseball and ended mm-hmm. up on the golf team, okay. believe it or not. So, um, but yeah, he ended up coming back and playing baseball, but it was, it, it, that was really the first time I can remember me and Wesley, uh, being separated when it came to sports was, was our 10th grade year in high school. And that was the first realization to me is like, Hey, you know, you don't have to have your brother out here playing. You can still play or, Vice versa, he didn't have to have me out there. He could go do his thing. Right. And so that was the first time we really kind of separated and did our own little thing. Mm-hmm. So, was that painful for you in a way? I mean, I feel like it would be uh, if you're with somebody all the time. It's kind of different, I guess. It, it wasn't really painful. It was just, it was more of a, you know, learn, learning difference. Like, right. you know, in baseball, you warm up on the foul line. You got your throwing partner. Uh, my throwing partner's gone. I got to find a new throwing partner. Yeah. <laughs> so... But I mean, man, we grew up, we had, there was nights we'd have nine or 10 guys at the house spending the night, Yeah, you know, and having a sister that's two years younger than us, mm-hmm. or she was made to sleep in the bed with my mom and dad. Uh, good idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so there, there were several guys that we both had the same group of friends still to today. We have the same group of friends. Sure. Uh, 
they played sports. We were, I was out there throwing with them, you know? It, so, I mean, it, it, it was a little different, but at the same time it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So that's cool, man. That's cool. Well, I'm glad, uh, glad you had a great experience like that. You know, I have a brother and everything else, but it's the same way. Like we're alike in a lot of ways, but we're very, very different. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing, but that's great. Uh, I know a lot of people have stigma about twins and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you've heard multiple jokes and different things like that. Yeah. So I will tell you this. Yes. When I had shoulder surgery, his shoulder hurt. That's weird. When he had hip surgery, my hip hurt. I've never had any kind of hip problems. That's strange. And I mean, you know, there's there's this conspiracy theory out there about twins having this yeah. connection of some sort. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But yeah. I do know that when I had shoulder surgery, his shoulder hurt. When he had hip surgery, my hip hurt. Mm-hmm. So, Joe. Yeah. Sounds like an interesting thing. Let's talk about this. Uh, uh, when to rest? I think uh, that's a big topic of men. Like, you work a lot of hours. You work fire. You do the construction on the side. You're in school and all that. Uh, you have a family and children. You know, when is the time that you can find a rest, and how important do you think that is? At work. Yeah. I, I do work at the fire department. You know, we, we work 24-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have... Time where we're not running calls, you know, at nighttime. Um, you know, you go in there and take a nap. Mm-hmm. You lay down at nighttime, of course. You know, we're we're in there sleeping, hoping that we don't get a call. Mm-hmm. But if we do, we're going to get up and go. I mean, that's that's what we're there for, right? Uh, so I get to rest at work. Uh, I rest at home uh, at bedtime. Usually, the wife and I usually go to bed by ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to get laid down. By 8.30 or 9, most nights, anyways. It don't always work out like that. Mm-hmm. But we try to be laid down by 8.30 or 9. And we know that till 10 o'clock, we're going to watch TV together. At 10 o'clock, we're cutting the TV off. We're going to bed. We're mm-hmm. going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually wake up three or four times a night. I don't know if it's just getting older and mm. um, having to stress about you know, the kids making sure they're okay, mm-hmm. uh, getting up and going to the bathroom to pee. I do that a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's probably because of the amount of coffee and fluids that I take in throughout the day. <laughs> probably so. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, I'm, I'm usually up by no later than 5.30 mm-hmm. most days. On the mm-hmm. days I work, I actually set my alarm for 4 o'clock, I, and I get up. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of times – you know, we're supposed to be shift change at seven. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling in the parking lot at six fifty eight. You know, oh really? But the thing is, like, I've I've literally I've been up since four a.m. I mean, I've just been sitting in my recliner drinking coffee. You know, that's my time to myself. Is from four a.m. to six a.m. before I start to get ready on the days I go to work. I, I I do. I get up at four. I go in there and I cut the coffee pot on, and I make me a few cups of coffee, and I'll eat some breakfast. And I just sit there in silence, mm. you know, um, I may have the news on for a little while, just seeing what the weather's going to do. Uh, I may watch ESPN, get caught up on the games from mm. the night before. Uh, or I may be looking at my phone, studying my, my drugs for paramedic, you know, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's just me sitting in the recliner, sipping on a cup of coffee and enjoying the peace and quiet. Well, I think that's the key, man. Yeah, I think every man needs that, needs time to reflect uh, to yourself and kind of absorb everything that's going on. Um, if you don't have a time like that, 
a lot of people do uh, devotions. Yeah. You know, if you're a Christian doing that biblically, um, it's a good time. It's biblical. You know, Jesus told us to pray, but I think a lot of that is kind of meditation in a way. Right. You know, clear your mind, uh, be in a place where you're fully present and all that. And it's hard to do in today's time for sure. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the thing. You have to make time because yep. nobody's going to make the time for you. That's right. And if it means getting up an hour earlier than you normally do, get up. Mm-hmm. I mean, make, make that hour your time to get up and have for yourself because Jared, you, you you don't have any kids right now, and you're not married yet. You, you're right. in a relationship. Right. Uh, when you do get married one day and you do have kids, you're going to see life makes a turn. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, things that you used to do for yourself that you used to enjoy doing are going to be gone. Right. Because you've got another life that's requiring you that you have to go do for. Mm-hmm. But you do have to make time for yourself still. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, mine's that morning before work. So I, get well, I think up. that's common, you know, for men not to do. I think they just get so absorbed in work, family life, wife and all that, that they don't do that. Um, what would you say to people to kind of, you said make time. How do you make time? You know, what is something you got to do? It's like I said, you, you have to get up in the mornings. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if it's just getting up a couple hours or an hour before you normally do, mm-hmm. uh, make that your time. Uh, if you're off from work, like you got a couple of days off, uh, going outside and cutting the grass, you know, it's a chore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for all you wives out there listening, it still sucks to have to go cut the grass. Yeah, it does. We don't do it cause we enjoy it. <laughs> it's definitely a chore. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, so no, I mean, putting, putting the earbuds in, cutting grass, uh, walking to the mailbox, uh taking the trash to the road mm-hmm. um i do shrubbery man yeah. i love trimming shrubbery that's like my time put headphones in zone out yeah the gym too. Yep. Gym, gym is good gym's a good one. uh the cardiovascular activity doing something to get the heart rate up and all that's good for you, you. know i was I, I you can remember i lost a lot of weight a few years ago yeah I, I mean i was in the gym hard back at the gold gold's gym days yeah. you know uh i actually went from like 285 to 208 mm-hmm. and i lost a lot of weight and of course, I've put a lot of it back on. Sure, I'm I'm not as big as I was though. I'm I'm right now. I'm sitting at two fifty six. I actually mm-hmm. weighed at the doctor's office the other day. That's awesome. Uh, so, you know, uh, about six months ago, I was up back up to two sixty seven. So I've I've lost about eleven pounds. Um, not really going to the gym or anything. It's just. I'm, I've got a lot going on. School, so tell, let's go ahead and say, let's go ahead and segue into the gym. Uh, we're over about an hour, 15 minutes. We'll kind of start getting close to wrapping up, but we're good. Let's touch on this topic of the gym. We grew up going to Gold's Gym together. Yeah. Uh, started working out together probably around the, well, you did for football and all that. Yeah. Uh, I did when I was about 15, 16 years old, really got in the gym and everything. Do you feel like the gym shaped you? And kind of what was your experience working out and all that? I loved it. I mean, I did. I loved the mental aspect of getting up and going to the gym and mm-hmm. running i used to love running mm-hmm. and now i'm older i hate it with a yeah. passion yeah it's a- <laughs> I, I, I don't know if i've got uh you know some spurs in my heel or whatever mm-hmm. now it hurts to run yeah um but but yeah i i loved it it, it it was a mental escape it you felt better you know yeah the soreness hurts and all that but man it was just it, it was a it was a good mental help well, the soreness to me is a reminder that I'm better. Yeah. Now I'm better. That's yeah. why I like being sore, and I actually enjoy that. 
because I'm like, okay, this is a reminder. I put in the work and now next time I'm going to be better. That's always a view that I had. But yeah, going into steroids a little bit, there's a lot of people on gear, dude. It, it's all over the place. I've talked about it in almost yeah. every podcast. And used to, you didn't tell anybody about it. It was hush, hush, everybody. But now people have in their Instagram bio, their doses and all that stuff. What is your view on that, you know, using that? So uh, my testosterone levels are low. Mm-hmm. I, I receive testosterone shots and I don't mind saying I that. You said that. You know, I, I, That's I'm, probably why you had the weight loss. Yeah, actually. It, it probably probably, well, I say that, but I haven't, I haven't gone and gotten my shots over the past few months. Okay. Because of time wise, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I go to the urology and, and that place, you know, I had a vasectomy done. Uh, no mm-hmm. more kids for this guy. Mm. Uh, not that we don't love kids, because we do. If we could have a football team and afford it, we would have a football team and afford right, it. Right, right. Uh, but no, uh, I haven't gone and gotten them. I just, time-wise, I hadn't had a chance to get over and get the shot. You know, they don't just write you the prescription, and you can take it and get it filled and give yourself a shot. Right. So you have to actually go over there. And time-wise, I hadn't had an opportunity to. Mm-hmm. But you you could be right, though, because, I mean, I, I was on it. I just hadn't now. Mm-hmm. But steroids testosterone steroids it 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 does make a difference in working out mm-hmm. and some people say it's the shortcut it's the cheating or whatever you know i guess it just depends on what you're working out for right you know if you're doing it for looks and you know you're you're okay with putting those substances in your body why not yeah you know uh if you're doing it for strength to play sports you know it's illegal don't do that right uh you know the the olympics you know they they, they ban them for yep. a reason 90s all that yeah guy. so you know it's uh i don't know i just i i think it should be up to the user themselves you know it mm-hmm. just depends on what you're wanting to do yeah it's cheating and it's a shortcut mm-hmm. but what does it matter yeah you know i mean we're we're grown it's a good point. It's a good point. I think a lot of people take it personal because people lie. Yeah. People lie about it, and they kind of feed you a lie. If you work hard, if you do all this <laughs> stuff, you're going to look this way and all that. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get the rub. But it is a personal preference. Yeah. There's risk associated. We yeah. know this from a medical standpoint. Oh, yeah. With testosterone, with anything, there's risk. Um, and, but if that's the choice that you want to choose, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but don't you know tout as if... You're you're a natural you're lifter, but you're, you're right. not. That's the issue. You know, that's the big thing with uh Dwayne Johnson the Rock. You know, it's the what's the guy from UFC that's called him out about using steroids? I don't know. Uh, is it Dana 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 White? Dana White. Is I that think, his name? I think it no, it was Dana White. There was there was somebody that's called the Rock and somebody else out about being on steroids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because the Rock supposedly had said that he had never done it or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so they've called him out and they've called a couple other people out and they've proven that these other people had done it. And there is no way Dwayne The Rock Johnson is not juiced. Looking right. at the way he looks, at the age he is, because that dude's 50 something years old now. But he is a personality. He's a TV star and all that. Yes. He has a image he to, has to image have. To and to me, for him, do it. Yeah. You, look at all the money he's making, the success, the fame, and all that. If you're on that level, do it. Yeah. But to do it for clout, to risk your body, if you have a family, you're risking, you're putting your body at risk. You know, to me, the benefit isn't worth it. That's just my opinion. Man. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you know, you, you know, the risk going into it. So why, why take those risks if, if you have nothing, you know, if you're not doing competitions or whatever, but I mean, like I was also saying, I mean, it should just, it's personal preference. If if you want to do it, do it. If you don't, don't, but if you are doing it, don't tell everybody you're not doing it. Yeah. Don't tell everybody, Hey, uh, 
yeah, I'll look like this because I've been in the gym for six months. Yeah. I eat because a lot of somebody <laughs> that's not, you know, doing it yeah. and they're in the gym doing the exact same thing you are for six months. And they're like, well, dang, what happened? Yeah. You know, I did the exact same thing. What's up? Why ain't this working? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Don't do that. Again, it is personal preference. You know, if people want to do that, that's up to them. Uh, me, I've never done it. Never had the desire. Yeah. But people that want to, it's up to you. Now, is it legal? No, it's not. But everybody still does it, you know, and all that. So I never did steroids. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, like I said, I got on testosterone um, about a year ago. Uh, my levels were low. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't to be going to the gym and lifting, I can right. assure you. Uh, I've, I have gotten to a point in life where I absolutely hate lifting weights now. Mm. Uh, it's, I say that it's, it's not that I hate it. I just, I don't have the time for the soreness yeah. and the body aching. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had some shoulder surgeries, well, you know, fire and all that, your body's in demand. Yeah. You know, you so, get the drop of a hat, you got to do your job. And if you're sore and all that, there's a lot of difficulty in doing that. For well, sure. I say that, but you know, and, and also in our job though, I mean, you look at the guys I work with, a lot of those guys are in tip top shape. Yeah. They're, they're probably in the best shape they've ever been in. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 a very physically demanding job mm-hmm. uh, at times. So uh, we as firemen should be in the best shape of our lives. And right. Of course, I'm not, right. but I should be. Yeah. You know, we have most shifts. We have an hour time set aside that we're allowed to go to the gym and work out while on shift. Right. You know, we, we have a gym in the city that, that our chiefs allow us a hour, a shift, to go to the gym, lift weights, run, whatever you want to do. Uh, a lot of the guys that I work with, uh, we'll go, we used to go and we'd work out at the gym and we'd come back to the station that night and you might run around the station, get your cardio in there and you yeah. use that hour to lift. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that still do that. But right now, I just, time, you know, it's an excuse. I know it. it's an excuse. It. I know it is, but yeah. it's just time man i've I've got too many other stressors going on right now with school and everything else to well be. i think fitness fitness to children man it's just such an example there's a statistic about women that are active and yeah. fit what their that their children are so much more prone to be active and fit yeah it's all about an example you know when you have children it's a responsibility you know as yeah. tough as it is and like you said time but you got to make it man you got to think about what am i showing my children you know am i going to show them to not do it or whatever or am i going to really push through and show them how to achieve certain things and just grit through it you know that brings up something else that my wife always says to me and i always say to her you know we get in a disagreement about something my wife will say do you want your daughter to marry someone like you that's a good point you know like if i blow up and i get mad over something and i've lost my cool and she'll look at me and say do you want your daughter to marry somebody like you of Mm. course in the back of my head i'm like no, I want my daughter to marry somebody a thousand times better than me or right. not get married at all. Yeah. You right. know, so yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. You do. You, you lead by example. You know, you're, you know, your kids are gonna, they're, they're gonna grow up and they're gonna look for that image that you have presented to them. Right. Well, and they're so, not hearing what you say. They're looking at how you act and yeah. how you make them feel. That, that's what they're doing. And so that's a challenge for all of us, man. Uh, if you have people watching you, which there are kids everywhere. I mean, young people, young men watching, you know, people that are in positions, you know, doing well for themselves. Understand that you're kind of in the spotlight, man. Yeah. Uh, Live your life well, live righteously and do the right thing um, and carry yourself accordingly. This has been awesome, dude. Absolutely. It's been awesome. I end with this five, 10, 20 years uh, plan. So looking forward in life five years from now, 
What's your life looking like? Where are you going to be? Five years from now, I'm hoping to officially have a paramedic license and, uh, you know, yeah. have that to lean on to if I ever had to with construction. You know, that's like I said, my dad, his his request, if I was going to get in construction, was to have the retirement and have the insurance, stability, stay, stability I guess is the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if construction was ever down, I would have that license I could fall back on to, mm-hmm. you know, to help supplement the income from just being a fireman. Uh you know, five years from now, I'm I'm hoping that we are more financially stable. Uh, of course, it's going to be a little bit harder because you'd have more than one kid driving car. Right. Uh, marriage still strong. Five years from the down the road, you know, uh, relationship with the kids are still strong. Five years down the road, uh, ten years down the road, uh, I'm hoping to be able to start to relax a little bit more. Uh still be financially stable mm-hmm. uh marriage still going strong stable and relationship with the kids because that's the teenage years yeah and that's when they need you most that's when they need me the most and that's when you know they're gonna they're gonna go through a lot and mm-hmm. i just I, you know i'm hoping more in 10 than years, we did yeah a lot more than we did and it falls back to because of social media that's it but you know, in, in 10 years, I'm, I'm hoping that I can be that person that my kids need me to be. I'm, I'm hoping that the way I am towards them now is helping prepare them for those years, 10 years down the road. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so 10 years down the road, I'm hoping that the relationship with the kids are still strong. Um, 20 years down the road, hoping I can sit back with my feet propped up and just enjoy life with my wife. Yeah. And, you know, us have our time. Right. Because we both started out young i mean mm-hmm. we, we, we jumped into marriage i had a kid and we had kids together so it's uh you know 20 years down the road it'd be nice to be able to sit back with our feet up and and look at the life that we have built together and and watch our kids go out and start their lives you know i know you said that earlier but i kind of want to dive into that and then we'll probably close but um having kids early a yeah. lot, a lot of people will tell women, wait till, but you're young. Yeah, wait till you're thirty at least and do all that. Do you feel like that was a blessing for you that you can get through this and then, or not get through it, but get through this phase of life and then enjoy it later? What is your opinion on that? It, it, it's harder, uh, you know, Andrew. I, I tell him all the time, hey, you know, go to school, get your degree, find what you want to do in life. Yeah, and before you start to have kids, because it is tough. Well, I, mean, I think it could cloud your judgment because at that point, once you have that responsibility, you're like, I got to make money. Yeah. I have to make money right now and do whatever. There's not as much exploration and self-discovery. Right. Like that kind of process is probably a lot slower. It is hard. It no. is hard. I would not been able to do the things that I have done in my life if it was not for the help of my twin brother and my dad. Mm-hmm. Financially, mm-hmm. that is. I mean, you know, and it, it, it's tough admitting that being 35 years old, yeah. but I've had help from my brother and my dad over the past 18 years with Andrew, you know, especially with Wesley, you know, going on to school and getting his nurse practitioner degree and becoming a nurse and working before he got married mm-hmm. and, and seeing the lifestyle that he lived versus the lifestyle that I lived. Right. You know, it, it is a lot harder being a parent at a younger age. It, you, you have more responsibilities than just your own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you you do learn a little bit faster uh what it takes to be a man but on the same side of that you 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 have a lot more battles that you have to go through 
sure. being a parent at a younger age. Mm-hmm. So, but it does help you grow up. It'll help you be a better man. Yeah, I bet uh, the better man. The better. I man. feel like it. Uh, I feel like it probably helps you grow, grow up really quick. I know I've talked to men that did have children pretty young. Yeah, and they're like, you know, it's you got to grow up. You have responsibility now for children and all that. Not as much playtime. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a beautiful thing. I'm 31. I don't have kids, but but I know that when I do, it'll be great and all that. But um, but I think everybody's journey is different. Yeah. And like we said before, you know, God has a path. Yeah. And God get uh, you know, became a dad pretty you much don't at know 17. Your own path. You don't. You don't. We make decisions and kind of point ourselves and ask for guidance from God in that way. But only He knows. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man, my, man, my, my path, God has led me down some curves and some hills and, mm-hmm. but I could not imagine life being anywhere than what it is right now. And, and I owe that solely to God and to yeah. my wife, you yeah. know, my wife, like I said earlier, man, she's the best woman in the world. Uh, I I wouldn't be who I am today without her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, uh, she, she is a huge blessing. And that's what a wife's supposed to be, man. Supplementation to a man for yeah. sure. Helping you and helping you grow for sure. You mentioned before that she called you out, you know, saying, would your daughter, would you want your daughter marrying somebody like that? I think that takes a strong woman to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it takes a lot of strength for a woman to say, Hey, you know, I care about you. I'm going to say this, you yeah. know, it might upset you, whatever, but it's cause she cares. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a gut wrenching feeling too, you yeah. know? And so when she calls me out on, you know, if I've said something or done something, and she calls me out on that. It's like, you know, it's a, hey, look in the mirror, you know, listen to her. Yeah. You, you, you can't do that. You well, gotta rela- stop. well, relationships are like a mirror. You yeah. Know, they're going to show you your flaws and all that for sure. Yeah. But I think it's good that, you know, a wife, a woman is able to say, hey, I care about you. I'm going to say this because it's going to make you better. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I just realized that we're wearing orange and blue. That's terrible. That is way terrible. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. All right. Well, that's pretty much it, guys. Thank you so much for watching the podcast, The Better Man. We are on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. You're going to get all of my videos straight to you. We are on every single podcast platform. Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast. Give us a five-star rating because we give five-star service. Thanks for watching. Until the next one, peace.